Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you're anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today, we're talking commercial items, actually commercial products and services, and how the FAR has been updated to make the definition of commercial products and services more clear. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Visit skywayacq.com to learn more. Let's get started. The FAR is always changing. It's, it's a living set of guidance, and sometimes that guidance turns out to be a bit less clear than the authors intended. Today's topic is, is one of those situations. In uh, late 2021, the, the FAR Council, that's the folks that manage the FAR, they updated the definition of a commercial item. This new definition, it doesn't change the procedures and processes that are used when buying products and services that are commercial. Those are covered in FAR Part 12, by the way. But this does update the definition and add some clarity beyond this this previously simple definition that was just commercial item. It's much more specific now. In late 2021, the FAR Council made this update. It's actually as a result of the National Defense Authorization Act of 2019. Two years earlier. Right. In 2019, the U.S. Code was updated as a result of the NDAA. took them two years to get here. (laughs) Before we get me down that particular rabbit hole, Uh, rabbit trail, whichever one it is. (laughs) That's a whole new podcast. Yeah. Let's stop and say thanks. I'm actually not even touching why it takes two years to get that updated on the podcast. Not not a chance. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks this week goes to Dustin Lashley. Dustin is the chief of legacy tankers contracting at the U.S. Air Force. He's in the Oklahoma City area. I'd like to thank Dustin for sharing our contracting officer as the umpire episode on LinkedIn. We appreciate that Dustin, having been a contracting officer himself for seven years, is liking and sharing our podcast. Thanks, Dustin. And legacy tankers contracting sounds like the other side of where you and I used to work, Kevin, in in the... What, what, what was it called then? It was the Mobility System Program Office at Wright-Patterson yeah. where we, we were buying, well, attempting to buy new tankers and and doing major updates to old systems like the KC-135s and KC-10s that Dustin, it I'm guessing that he is responsible for keeping flying. These are super old planes that, uh, you know, kind of a testament to how well built they are that that 30, 40, 50 years later, the, these machines are still flying. All right, I got a little nostalgic there. Back to podcast, good stuff. The FAR Council updated the definition of a commercial item in FAR Part 2. And as I mentioned, this doesn't expand the function of commercial, of using commercial procedures per se, but it does expand the specificity of it. It makes it easier to understand. When you say commercial item, what does that mean? Well, they took away the commercial item and clarified it to, this is what a commercial product is, this is what a commercial service is, et cetera. And that's important because contracting officers, in order to buy something as a commercial item, product, service, in order to call something commercial, they have to make a determination that, it, yes, indeed, this is commercial. And there was, maybe confusion is a word, but mm-hmm. there was a broad range. Some contracting officers used the the term commercial item very loosely and openly, and some contracting officers were very, very strict with how they used it. And by 
expanding it by breaking it up and saying there's commercial products, there's commercial services, there's also commercial end items, software, and commercial off the shelf, made it easier for contracting officers to write a justification that that everyone can agree with rather rather than the situation we had before where for the very same commercial item, a contracting officer at one command would say this is commercial and a contracting officer at a different agency would say, nope, that's not commercial for the same thing. And in the case of services, if it says commercial item, is a service an item? I thought that it was. There were probably contracting officers out there that thought that it wasn't. And as a result, they awarded contracts for services like janitorial services might not have been considered commercial. This just makes that argument easier and saves everybody time because you can clearly see, yes, this is a commercial service. We're just going to stick to the, the product and service change today. Yeah, for, for Skyway customers, I, I dug deeper into all of them. There's a, a, a new commercial item definition video that's inside the Skyway community that came out uh, this week, if you want to dig deeper into this. For members, log in at skywayacq.com, and you'll be able to find it in the video section. All right, first I'm going to talk about what didn't change. The, the updated definition of commercial item doesn't change the basic words that have been there for a couple of decades. In 96, <laughs> a yeah. while ago. Yeah. Those words describing commercial is, is things that are of a type customarily used by the general public or by non-governmental entities for purposes other than government purposes. And has been- That's not confusing at all. Yeah, and has been offered to be sold, lease, licensed to the general public or a product that evolves from one of those kind of products. There's, there's more words there. But even right there, I use the word product. And before, it just said commercial item. Just changing that to commercial product helps your brain get around what is commercial and what is not. How, how can I use these words to help? You and I did an episode on, a, I think it's called, what is, what is FAR Part 12? And it was using the old definition. It was a couple of years ago. Uh, but it was, it was talking through this old definition. And a lot of these words you just talked through were in the old definition. I think the important part of this change, like you said before, Kevin, now commercial service is defined. And that was where a lot of the confusion came along because when you hear commercial item, that sounds like a thing. Right. And, you know, maybe maybe it's a noun versus verb, although a service is sort of a noun not not a not a verb, but the the point is service became confusing English skills for a lot of people. The far now includes commercial services, and it describes installation services, maintenance services, repair services, training services, and other services if they're procured in support of a commercial product, as now defined, regardless of whether. The services are provided by that same source that, or the same time that, that you got the commercial product from. And it qualifies as a commercial service if the source of those services provides similar services to the general public under similar terms and conditions. So if you have a commercial product that you need to have installed or maintained or repaired or you need to be trained on, that installation, maintenance, repair, training is commercial. That clears up so much of the confusion that I think we both battled with earlier in our lives, careers. Now, the FAR also clarifies, helpfully clarifies, 
what commercial pricing means. Before, the way the far red kind of made it sound like, hey, if, if someone has published a price, if they have it on the website or in a catalog, if they published a price, well, that, that, that means it's, there's a commercial price for it. And I can use that price and I don't have to negotiate or compete. In, in many cases, I can just pay that price and it's fair and reasonable. The FAR now clarifies that. So for contracting officers, a catalog price means it's a price included in a catalog, price list, whatever, that is regularly maintained by the manufacturer or vendor and is published or out there for customers and states prices at which sales are currently or were last made to a significant number of buyers constituting the general public. So it's not just that you published it and said, here's the price that I'm offering. It's have people actually bought it, have people, non-government buyers, actually bought this thing at this price. And the concept of the, the price being regularly maintained by the manufacturer or vendor, to your point, you're not just putting it up the night before. But this tells people, and in this case, industry, how to prove to a contracting officer, this is a commercial item. Yeah. Here's evidence that this has been on our website at this price for a year. And we've sold 10 of them to you know, these private companies. Like That specificity is, is, we could get there, but it took a conversation of me convincing them to do it. Whereas now they can see, oh, I know what to do. And it speeds up the process. Yeah. The FAR also defines market prices as current prices that have been established in, in the commercial world that can be substantiated through competition or from sources independent of the offers. So that was always a, a big hurdle. Like, is this a fair and reasonable price? I have a catalog price out there, but is it fair and reasonable or do people actually negotiate for, you know, is there haggling after that? Well, this says you, the, the, a market price has to be able to be substantiated, not from the offer that says, I promise you, this is what we sell them for, but can you find evidence for it somewhere else? And like you said, if you're on the industry side, helping the contracting officer find that data of how the catalog price is, is out there and regularly maintained and you've sold things at that price and how you, your market price is fair and reasonable because here, here's, here's, here's where it happened right? Here's where we competed for something and sold it at this price. Or you can point the contracting officer to other sources that, that aren't you that, that can show how that price is, is, uh, is substantiated. All right, let's stop and talk acquisition time zones and execution time zones. When does this commercial item definition matter? When does it come up in the government acquisition world? Well, it turns out pretty much all the time on the acquisition time zone side, it starts in the requirement zone when users, when contracting officers, when the government is trying to figure out whether or not something that satisfies their needs for either products or services already exists. We realize what's the art of the possible. Like you're saying, oh, I can get that commercially. That exists. Like that's already a commercial item. That's already a thing. That's what, and that influences the requirement. That, that, that influences how the requirement is written. Because it's that whole thing of like, you can get this that goes 50 miles an hour commercially, or you can get it 52 miles an hour and it becomes a, you know, a big 17 year bloated government program. And you're like, Hey, let's change the requirement to 50. We can live with that. Yeah. And that leads into the market research zone, which kind of can, can circle back as, as you're doing that, that comparison to what the market provides, you can tweak your requirement 
maybe our requirement isn't really 55 miles an hour. Maybe it's 50 miles an hour. That'll do. The actual commerciality determination is made in the market research zone before the RFP drops. Yep. That's how the solicitation then comes out either as FAR Part 12 or FAR Part 15 or whatever other tools strategy is, is used is decided in the market research zone. Then that strategy plays out through the RFP zone where industry is writing their proposals and submitting them and the selection zone where the government is evaluating them and making a decision on which offer to award to. How does a commercial item determination play out in the execution time zones post-award? It impacts what you bought. Uh, it impacts the, the contract clauses are different in the RFP zone, right? Well, those clauses play out differently in the performance zone. Uh, the, the speed of the of the solution, um, how much transparency the, the government has into what the, what the contractor is doing, how long the contract, contract can be. There's a lot of nuances that play out during the performance zone. Yeah, it should be much less insight into what's going on and much less reporting. It, it should be more like just the way the commercial world works, which is you select this and then it's it's delivered. And then the recompete zone is you figure out, number one, if we haven't done this, if we didn't do this commercial last time, is it a commercial item now? Yeah. Or number two, we did it commercial last time. Is it still commercial? Have we have we Frankenstein this enough as a DOD? I'm picking on a DOD as a government solution that now it has some nuances. By the way, I've never seen that happen. Yeah. But this is when you have that conversation. It also affects the wrap up zone, the last of the execution time zones, because you're doing firm fixed price contracts and it's commercial. The closeout should be very quick and easy compared to a long-term government cost-type contract where you have to wait for rates to be settled and all that other mess. <laughs> Episodes about all that mess. If you're not familiar with the acquisition time zones, we covered those in episode number three. And the execution time zones, we covered those in episode 372. Okay, specifically on the government side, why does the government care about this updated commercial item definition? Creates more clarity for the government team. As I was mentioning before, it's, it, it's you know, easy is the wrong term. I think it's more efficient for the, for the contracting officer to, to tell people what context they need. It, it, it seems that the practical goal of this change was to help the acquisition team have a more consistent commerciality determination. Yeah. And so this, this should, could, right, expand the use of FAR Part 12. Because now it's acquisition of commercial products and commercial services. That's the new title of our part 12. Remember, they, they changed it. The term commercial item went away in the FAR, right? Including the title of, of our part 12. FAR part 12 used to be called commercial item procedures. Not very descriptive. Now acquisition <laughs> of commercial products and commercial services. I think that's a, a helpful change. Yeah, it's much, much more, again, much more clarity. And as an example of how this would play out, uh, I had a, a source selection that I did and we, we were buying products that m many of the products were commercially available and the new equipment training that came with them. I remember having the debate with the lawyer over the fact that I'm making the argument that the new equipment training, I mean, this, this was um, special operations uh, training. So it was very unique stuff. And his argument was, the lawyer's argument was, well, it's, it's so common specific Therefore, it's not commercial training. And my argument was, well, it's a commercial item. It's back in the old days, we used that term. <laughs> it's a commercial item that we bought. Ergo, wouldn't these services be uh, also commercial? I end up winning the argument, but it took a lot of work, right? It, this makes that argument go away because it clearly says 
if the product was commercial and the services are directly related to the commercial product, they're, they're, and the services are commercial in the conversation. Right. And looking back, I probably could have done that entire source selection as a FAR Part 12 acquisition, which yeah, that would have been easier. <laughs> so, but that's the thing. Like this, this makes it easier for the contracting officer to convince everybody else this stuff is commercial. Let's use FAR Part 12. And that opens up a, a different avenue of uh, efficiency. For streamlines the acquisition people. process, streamlines the, streamlines the execution of the contract, saves the government money because there's probably fewer deliverables and, and fewer hurdles for the contractor to leap over in order to successfully deliver what is really a commercial product. It's one of the big reasons why many companies shy away from government business because in the commercial world, they can just sell their stuff. In the government world, they have to sell their stuff and do a bunch of other work that they don't want to do. Right. But none of which you know, impacts their, their overall mission. Since I'm talking industry, I think the clarification of commercial items takes away a lot of confusion. Now it's not commercial item, products, services, commercial off the shelf. All of that is now in the FAR. Industry folks, this really helps you focus your business development and, well, on the industry side, it's often called sales if it's commercial, not business development, but sales. Helps you focus those efforts. Helps you better understand how the government can buy your products or services using commercial procedures. It helps you to clearly understand what does the government need to hear? What, what, and going back to the three deciders that we talk about on our podcast a lot, you know, the economic decider, the customer, and the contracting officer. Okay. What do you as the salesperson need to tell the customer, the user, to, to convince them it's commercial so they can tell the contracting officer, here's all the evidence you need. And then as a contracting officer, I can copy and paste that directly into my commerciality determination and we can keep moving. As opposed to the old way, when we're sitting there debating, well, what, what is commercial item? There's services related. The services aren't really done in this way out in the commercial market. So therefore, we have to go to FAR Part 15 and you know the clock just slows down. It's to your benefit, industry folks, to learn these words in, in FAR Part 2 of the definition of commercial and use them to help make your product the, or service the, the path of least resistance for the government acquisition team. Easier to buy if it qualifies as commercial. The reason this, to me, this change is worth talking about is that this, this is a helpful clarification. It, it, it will make, if people understand how to use it, it will make it easier to, to award uh, contracts commercially. And for all the reasons we've talked about, that's more efficient. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a better path through the FAR. And as we mentioned, the FAR is a living document and this, this has improved it. I mean, in, in my mind, this change, it, again, it's making government contracting better one contract at a time. Yeah, right. So, Yeah, maybe a little overdue, but very helpful clarification that makes it easier for contracting officers to justify how to buy things that really are commercial using commercial procedures where it wasn't always as easy as you would hope before. And with that, I'll talk to you later, Kevin. Okay, I'll see you, Paul. Okay, that's it for another episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. Thanks for joining us. We've organized our podcast into topical playlists to give you a little more context in this crazy world of government acquisition. You can find all our playlists at skywayacq.com. Thanks again for joining us here on the podcast, and we'll see you next time.